This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. I hope you all had a great weekend, everybody. What's going on? Welcome to a Monday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily here on the Winnipeg Sports Talk channel. Welcome to everyone joining us on YouTube and for everyone that's uh, hitting us on the podcast a little later on. Hope you had a great weekend as well. As always, for podcast folks, if you ever have the opportunity to give us a five-star rating and review at Apple Podcasts, it's a big, big help. And for everybody kicking it on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed and hit that thumbs up button. I've got a big show coming up today. We'll recap another big win for the Bombers and a pretty wild weekend in the Canadian Football League. Ted Wyman's going to come by, get the drip meter ready for everyone in the chat. Um, Ted's going to join us from the lake, actually, but um, tested before. I think it's going to sound great. So looking forward to having Ted return. Uh, we'll talk a little Bombers. We'll talk some Jets, a little more off season, And then later on, one of the voices of the Canadian Football League on TSN and my good friend and partner in the lock shop, the one and only Dustin Nielsen, will pop on the program. Dusty had a busy weekend calling two games this week in the CFL, including the finale in Regina. Big win for the Rough Riders over the Hamilton Tiger Cats to push the Tie Cats to 0-2. So we'll uh, have Dusty come on and we will talk CFL. We'll definitely get his thoughts on a little bit of the NH- NHL offseason. But considering that he is the biggest fantasy football D-Gen I personally know, and there's a lot of them. We will definitely get to a little NFL talk to coming out of week one of NFL preseason. As always, we're brought to you by a great family of sponsors, including our newest sponsor, Canadian Club, along with Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug, Paramount Services Limited, Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend Country Club, and Cool Bet Canada. Uh, let's get Michael Remus in here to get things going. Remo, how was uh, how was the weekend for you, my friend? Great weekend. Uh, went to the beach on Saturday. Um, you know, I've learned about uh, driving to the beach uh, with a toddler, um, where he likes to listen to the same song on repeat uh, the whole way there and the whole way home. So that was super fun. And uh, yeah, so that was my day Saturday. Went to the beach, threw rocks for like an hour. That's the best. And then kind of just uh, took it easy at home yesterday. Now, does it, like as soon as the song is over, does he basically say, "Daddy, play that again"? Like, how uh, does he have the control and just knows how to uh, repeat? Uh, he says uh, one more time, or he says, uh, <laughs> like, "Yeah," he basically says again. So, yeah, yeah, he uh, he knows what he wants, and uh, we do our best to accommodate him, or uh, it's going to be hell to pay. <laughs> well, I had a great weekend as well, and it started off on Friday night. Um, big shout out to Trevor Knott. Went with Trevor and some of the Knott gang out to the game on Friday night. And uh, man, Remus, just another glorious evening at Investors Group Field. And much like the other Canadian football games so far this year, there's not been the offensive explosion that we often associate with a three-down game. Uh, if you've just been betting unders through the first two weeks, you're doing very well. Uh, but, man, the takeaway from this game, first and foremost, is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers' defense is legit. 13 points allowed in two CFL games. In regular time, CFL offenses will put up 13 points in two minutes. So it's a pretty impressive start on the defensive side of the ball. And, man, Zach Caleros looks good. I mean, this team has been in control of both of these games in the second half and done a hell of a job of holding on to that lead. Yeah, I know the Bombers won, you know, I didn't think the Argos put up much of a fight, but it actually was a pretty close game, you know, right to the end, um, you know, the last, like, three minutes to the last three minutes of the game. 
Uh, I thought the Bombers' defense, I mean, they're excellent. I don't know if they were forcing, you know, McCollard Bethel Thompson to make all these inaccurate throws or he just isn't that good, but they were putting the pressure on, uh, had solid coverage. And you can't argue, Hus, with 13 points in two games. And I think it was Derek Taylor. Uh, who's the one who said, bet the over first couple weeks, guys, bet the over. That's what he said in the preseason. I was like, sure. And then, uh, yeah, that's that's one of our many uh, bad takes about CFL season. One of those being, I think it was you and Dusty were like, oh, yeah, Trevor Harris leading the league uh, in yards. You know, maybe he will, but uh, not definitely not in uh, in touchdowns. So that's been a rough go. The Elks, the Stamps, and Ticats, really disappointing. But as far as that bomber game, um, you know, though, Claris, you know, he could have put the game away, had that interception um, in the end zone. That was a rough one. But I didn't think it was that close, even though it seemed like uh, the Argos had an outside chance at, at coming back. But definitely a convincing one for the Bombers, were easily, easily atop the CFL power rankings. A shout out to Ron Carrier. Ron is sitting at the lake listening to you beauties talking sports. Enjoyed that time with the lake, Ron. I'm glad you were able to do it. And Mitch makes a great point, and I think this is legitimate. My only concern is the points that they are leaving on the table. And, I mean, through two weeks with no preseason games, I think everyone's got to be pretty happy with where the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are. They're at the top of our power pole. They're at the top of everybody's power pole, and they've got two big wins so far. And, you know, while I I will grant that, you know, certainly things could look a little bit sharper, a little bit more efficient, um, you could get it into the end zone a little bit more um, you know, to start the way this team has without Andrew Harris, and in, in my opinion, the big loss is Darvin Adams with what he does to the ability to stretch the field. Um, you know, it's certainly been a great start, but as we heard from Mike O'Shea afterwards, and this is typical Osh, um, you know, happy about the victory, gave out a few game balls and said this was good, but this team certainly has a lot more work to do. Uh, but I'll tell you what, Remus, compared to some of their contemporaries in the CFL Western Division, uh, they don't quite have the same work to do than, for instance, the teams in Alberta do. For the first time since 1966, the Stamps and Edmonton have started the season 0-2. Who saw that coming? Yeah, I gotta be honest. Like I see that. I, no one saw that coming, but I've seen that stat around. I want to get another stat. How many times have those teams played each other in the first two weeks of the season since 1966? I mean, it's a rivalry. And if they play each other, I mean, they can't go... Can't go on to. I'm not doubting that this hasn't happened for a while, but you see, see That's what I'm saying. Point. I'm sure they play each other the first two two weeks more pretty frequently. I mean, it's an eight team or nine team. Or if you go back to American expansion, well, the only thing is though. Yeah. The only thing is really, if you look at the scheduling, I mm-hmm. mean, the Bombers are always playing the Riders. That's yeah. there, but you know, it's always Labor Day, yeah. and it's always the banjo. There's a, there's so, a I mean, bonus. A game. lot of those games. Um, yeah, well, they have been, and actually, you yeah. know, every now and then it will happen. But I, bottom line is, yeah. these teams are usually pretty good. They were expected to be good, yes. and they've looked terrible so far. And, I mean, we talked about Bo Levi Mitchell and the four picks on on Thursday going into Friday's show. Um, I mean, I, we're going to get to this, and I'm going to give Dusty some brain damage for picking the Elks and putting the Elks on our partner parlay that was sitting there ready to win at plus 300. Um, but I, I, honestly, the takeaway from this is that the Montreal Alouettes, I think because they didn't play in week one, Remus, and there'd been so long, I think people forgot at what Kahari Jones was able to do with that club and you know how comfortable Vernon Adams Jr. looked and how much of a bulldozer they have in the background as William Stanback and the defense that stepped up and played quite well. So 
I mean, of all the overlooked teams this year, certainly after their first game, I think Montreal would come right to the top of the list. And, man, you look at the East right now. Um, the Ottawa Red Blacks are 1-0. and The Montreal Alouettes are 1-0. and And the Hamilton Tiger Cats, everybody's Grey Cup pick and the betting favorite going into the season are 0-2 right now. Um, and honestly... This week, this buy for the Thai Cats this week came like normally you don't think a week two buy or week three buy is a good thing. I think it is for Hamilton because um, not a lot of people thought that they'd start looking as poor as they have so far this season. Yeah, a lot to unpack there before I uh, got a sidetrack arguing about the uh, CFL rivalry scheduling. Um, the Bombers, as far as the receivers go, uh, I know they definitely miss, you know, miss uh, Darwin Adams, but. I mean, Rashid Bailey coming up big on that touchdown. Kenny Lawler seems to catch everything. And uh, what really impressed me from Nick Dembski is uh, guys try to tackle him, and they would just bounce off, bounce off him. Uh, he doesn't seem like the biggest guy, but there were a couple times where he uh, he definitely uh, made plays. Um, we we're going to Calgary, you know, Calgary. Bo Levi Mitchell. We were like, what's wrong with this guy? He doesn't look right. Well, he just went on the injured list. And Michael O'Connor, another Canadian quarterback. Uh, we'll be starting. I think this time he, the Canadian quarterback actually will get the start. Other, uh, unlike you know when BC has been screwing everyone. So uh, I, you know, I wish they would have said Bo Levi was injured before I took him in fantasy uh, this past weekend. But odds are, if you were playing the prediction game, you're not doing t- you know you're not doing great. Calgary has stank. Edmonton, who we all thought was going to be good, stank. And the Tie Cats, you said the bye coming in at the best time. You know, haven't they put in Dane Evans and he did not look good, but I think they've got a banged up O line and we saw it in week one. Masoli doesn't have time to to find guys. And uh who those Saskatchewan who's you know, they're looking pretty competent, but uh Montreal, I mean, we know Vernon Adams Jr., he's got an arm, he can run, they got standback, they got some quality receivers, and Kahari Jones leading this dynamic offense. Watch out for Montreal and these they're they're very good. You know what? It's funny about Montreal. And again, they have been, I mean, they haven't been supported very well recently. They haven't been very competitive. The, the big story about them in the last couple of years has been who's going to own the team. But when you think back, Remus, I mean, I believe it was six days before the beginning of the 2019 season starting. They fired Mike Sherman. Um, or was it like in after the first game? Bottom line is it was right at the beginning of the season. They fired Mike Sherman and Kahari Jones took over. And I got to tell you, Kahari Jones has, I mean, he has really done incredible work with the team that did not have high hopes or expectations, turning that team into a very tough out. And, you know, the fact that he's had, you know, this extra long off season to prepare, bringing back a number of those players, um, I was really impressed with the number that they did on the Edmonton Elks in Edmonton in the game. And then, of course, the late game and credit where credit is due. I know we love to give it to the Riders, but this Labor Day Classic and Bangible series is shaping up to be extra special in that um, both teams are 2-0 and right now. Uh, both teams will be playing on the weekend. Ottawa is the opponent for Saskatchewan. Winnipeg is going to Toronto to take on the Boatmen. And um, wouldn't it be cool if we had a battle of three and O teams playing for first place in that Labor Day game, which this week, because of the weird schedule, is week four as opposed to the usual week eight or nine. Yeah, that is uh, that is kind of odd, but I am you know looking forward to that. The Riders, I mean, they look good. There were some questions about them, you know, after they disappointed in the second half against BC in uh, in week one. You know, who's it? There were reports that it was like conditioning or fatigue. I wasn't sure how much. 
buy that, but maybe it was. I mean, they look good. It really put a, you know put a stomping to the Thai Cats, who and I'm trying to figure out how's like which team is the most disappointing right now. Is it the Elks? Is it the Thai Cats? Or is it the Stampeders? I mean, Thai Cats made it to the Grey Cup last year. Really high hopes again. They were the favorite. Stampeders. I mean, they've been good for so long under Bo Levi Mitchell, and all you're hearing was it was the first time they lost uh, to the Argos in however long. First time they started in 2 however long. So, uh, and then the Elks. We thought they had a great offense, but they can't seem to put it together and just got stomped. So I think they're all, I don't want to say, I think Thai Cats and then Stamps and then Elks, but I mean, we thought these were going to be good teams. So I'm trying to figure out now, like, who's good? It seems like the Bombers are good. Montreal is good. Um, I know they've played one game, but Saskatchewan is solid. And then uh, it's a bit of a, Hamilton bit of a drop-off. Hamilton will be there. Ha- Hamilton yeah. is going to get it together, I think. Um, you know, get it on. But... I think without a doubt, the Edmonton Elks are the most disappointing team so far. Mm. I mean, they lost a game at home to a team that passed for 70 yards. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, just that on its own okay. puts you at the bottom of the power yeah, pole. Yeah, yeah. And then followed that up with their bounce back game against a team that had not played in almost two years and gave up 30 at home and scored 13. Yeah. They finally got a touchdown, uh, which was nice at the end, but... Um, bottom line is the Bombers look great. Uh, and, you know, we had a beautiful night. I know there was a couple people asking about the game day experience. Uh, first of all, amazing to see Desiree Scott out there getting that well-deserved ovation. If you missed our interview with Desiree on Friday, it's one of the favorite ones we've ever done. Make sure you go back and watch it. It was, um, it was really, really cool to have her, uh, have her there. It was an absolutely glorious night. And I will say, credit to the Bombers, and I think part of this was maybe, you know, a a lesser crowd as well. They certainly did seem to be much more prepared to handle the amount of business they were going to be doing at the concessions. Uh, The lines were much shorter. Do believe they had a few more uh, point of sale options for people. Um, But again, there was, I mean, I believe the announced attendance was about 22-7. So they were just about at 30K for the game the previous Thursday. So obviously when you have less people, the stress is a little bit less, but people did seem to get there early. They did seem to eat and drink quite a bit, and they certainly did have a good time. And as always, they left in a pretty good mood when the home team wins. So um, now it's on the road. And Remo, man, I need to give a bit of heads up for people for their weekend plans. We're so used to, um, you know, Thursday night or Friday night games. This Bomber game in Toronto is actually going to be a Saturday afternoon game, 3 p.m. on Saturday afternoon. We were thinking about trying to get a golf game, so we might have to move that tee time up a little earlier. Uh, But it'll be interesting practice week for the uh, Bombers as they get into their first road game. And um, the rematch between these clubs will be interesting because, as you mentioned, I think off air, you know, as good as the Winnipeg defense was, I certainly think that Ryan Dinwiddie sits down with uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson and potentially Nick Arbuckle and goes through the tape. There was, you know, a number of receivers that were missed, throws that weren't put in the right spot. Um, and that was a big part of it as well. But again, you know, you give up seven points, you know, there's going to be some things that both sides of the football think they did well or not so well. Um, but how they're able to do it again, just what eight days later will be an interesting thing. And we'll probably get quite a bit of time to talk about it this week as we head into game number three for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers looking to go to three and oh. Yeah, I was at the game. Um, I kind of just stayed around my section, but I was able to get a beer and uh, some chicken fingers pretty quick. Didn't have to wait too long in line. A bit less people. I think, you know, you don't have the excitement of the first game. And I do think Friday night, you know, people already have weekend plans booked. 
you know, going out to the going out to the cottage or going out to the lake, whatever, twenty two thousand there. So it definitely seemed like a bit less. But I know, and I if you watch it, you know, sit around, it doesn't seem like um, as many as before. But I know a lot of people has hanging around the rum hut. And when I thought when the crowd needed to make noise, you know, in support of the defense, um, it got pretty loud. I thought it definitely oh, yeah. get pretty loud in there. So uh, yeah, twenty two. I thought it was good getting home for me. I mean, I. I kind of bounced out uh, before the time expired, and I was able to get out, uh, you know, pretty quickly down down Bison Drive. So, uh, great game day experience for me. I'm looking forward to going back in the future. But we will have a Saturday afternoon. I've loved um, the way the CFL has scheduled this. Has you have a Thursday night game, a Friday night game, and then the doubleheader Saturday. The you know it's been an early game and a late game, and now we'll have uh, the afternoon game and a. Uh, and what the six o'clock game, the evening game, yeah, so three o'clock and then six yeah. o'clock for so, the two games. I I yeah. loved uh, you know coming home from I drove home from the lake and caught the end of the uh, the Rough Riders Tie Cats and it was it's been awesome uh, doing that the last couple of weekends the CFL late night Saturday. I remember being at the lake even watching you know being at a bar or whatever and watching the late night. So I think the schedule is good. I'm glad they've gone away from putting these on Sunday during NFL season. I don't know like who thought that was a good idea to begin with yeah. before. Yeah. It it makes no sense. Although yeah. the Bombers, their next home game is a Sunday night yeah. game at 6 p.m. against Calgary. But again, yeah. that's uh, in two weeks, still in August before NFL starts. So it should be good. And, you know, maybe I'll touch on this with Ted coming up. Um, the Ryder crowd, I want to say, was announced at 27, Val. It was the lowest uh, announced attendance in the history of Mosaic Stadium. Um, some people will say, you know, they don't have the same rules that we have um, here. So maybe there are people that are staying away because they're concerned about COVID and the, the variant and all that stuff. Um, but the other thing was that it was an eight o'clock game and there's a lot of people that drive a long way to get to Regina. So the schedule maker with that late start maybe didn't do them any favors. Uh, we'll see if it's different with a Saturday game starting at six o'clock, which I guess is five o'clock in Regina coming up after the Bombers and Ticats get going. All right. We're going to welcome in Ted Wyman in just a second. Um, hey, we've got to thank, congratulate Leighton Janice. I know Leighton's with us. Leighton was the first winner of uh, a Canadian club, Winnipeg Blue Bombers game day giveaway. We did that on Friday. We've got an I Love Rye package with some Pretty nice goodies from our friends at Canadian Club. We're going to be getting late at some point this week. Uh, Canadian Club, of course, is the official whiskey of the Blue Bombers um, and all the products available at the stadium as well as your local liquor store. So if you're over beer, why don't you uh, try the great taste of Canadian Club? Uh, the best there is since 1858. And uh, stay tuned. We will be getting you some details of a very, very interesting giveaway we've got with one of the best prizes we've had from our folks that uh, friends at Canadian Club coming up a little later on this week. Um, big shout out to Royal Sports popped in there on the weekend. They are getting ready for hockey season, um, you know, but summer is not over, whether it's bikes, camping equipment. Uh, they've got it all there at Royal Sports, not to mention as we get ready for jet season and the Bombers back now, uh, the number one spot for licensed merchandise from every single league as well. As the world of soccer, uh, we'll see when those PSG Messi jerseys come in sometime soon. Uh, pop down and see for yourself. The King Skate Snow and Surf, great spot for kids for uh, clothes going back to school as well. 650 Rally EK and the Superstore at 750 Pemina Highway. And with it topping 35, 36 degrees today, I don't think I need to tell you that uh, it might be smart to schedule a trip to the Nick and Nicky DQ group at some point today. Pop by and see him at DQ Northgate, DQ Niverville, DQ Polo Park, or Dairy Queen St. Anne's. 
get one of those great blizzards. They got the drumstick. The Kit Kat is back. They got the Girl Guide cookie. Um, and I will tell you, a great spot for a burger too. Big fan of the Ultimate Grill Burger. Great chicken. It's all there for you. And if you're looking for a cake for an event uh, coming up, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. I'll get it made for you, and you can pop by and pick it up at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQ locations. All right, let's welcome in Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun, who's very kind to join us uh, out of the city for a little bit, uh, getting in touch with nature, uh, and frankly, <laughs> enjoying, Ted. Um, I'd love to be at the lake right now, close to a body of water, I hope, because if it's anything close to how hot it is here right now, uh, steamy for everyone in lake country. How are you? How was the weekend? Well, I'm doing great, uh, Hus. Good to see you again. It, it is very, very warm here. Uh, I'm glad I'm not in the city right now. <laughs> um, let me, I, I want to talk Jets with you and get your thoughts on kind of what happened last week. But we've been just coming into the show talking about the weekend in the Canadian Football League. Uh, first things first, um, how impressed are you at the Winnipeg Blue Bombers two games in, having given up only 13 points on the season so far? Well, you couldn't really have imagined that they'd be able to carry over what they were doing in the playoffs and in the Grey Cup in 2019 and just carry it right into the 2021 season after missing an entire year. But it seems like that's exactly what they've done, Huss. I mean, um, that defense looks just as dominant as it did in the Grey Cup game. The offense is certainly uh, not perfect, but it's getting the job done. And, uh, and, and it has, I think... Um, such more balance than it did throughout the course of the 2019 season before Zach Caleros came along because Zach Caleros can throw the deep ball and he does it regularly and it just spreads that offense around. So even on a night when Brady Oliveira doesn't get much rushing yards, they do just fine because they pick up 292 yards passing. I mean, you're seeing a really well-balanced team there. And one other thing that really stood out for me from Friday night's win over Toronto was that we talk about how that defense is the same as the one that won in 2019. Well, there was five new guys in that lineup, and it's still dominated. So they're doing something right. Well, they certainly are. I mean, I've been so impressed with Alford and, and Nichols. And, I mean, Alford was burned on that first touchdown on the first drive of the uh, Hamilton game. And when I say burned, I mean, I thought he had amazing coverage. He made a good play, and it was just an awesome catch. But – you know, to bounce back from that and play the way he has, I believe he had his first pick on the weekend. Um, these young guys are going in, and I think maybe it's part of going to, to a championship team, knowing that the bar is very high. Uh, you couldn't say that years ago about this Winnipeg Blue Bomber team with new guys coming in, but the competition to get in the lineup and stay in the lineup, uh, you know, with the, what, 35 DBs that they brought to camp, yeah. I think has resulted in, some guys that were ready to go. And of course, Alfred led the XFL in, in, in picks. So, I mean, this is not like a guy that, you know, hasn't been playing football at a high level, um, but it really has been impressive. And to me, that was the biggest question about the bomber defense. And the answer has been pretty good through two games. Yeah, absolutely. So it was Nichols who had the pick and he was also the one who led the XFL in interceptions. DeAndre Alfred is actually a pure rookie. Uh, this is a guy that's coming right out of college and has just been exceptional throughout camp. The one thing that, Mike O'Shea and Richie Hall had no idea about going into the first game was whether they could even tackle. You know, I mean, you're playing, you're playing those uh, that defensive back uh, system that they're learning in training camp. They're doing that without any hitting. They're doing it without any tackling. They're doing it generally without any physical contact at all. And here they do it, and uh, they go into a game and, and have both have looked good. I thought DeAndre Alford, as you said, got beat by that pass from Jeremiah Masoli 
to Jalen Acklin, but I think he got his hand on the ball. Like, I mean, he was right there. And that was just a great play by both of the Thai Cats. But uh, Nichols, I thought, had a fantastic game last week. Uh, he, had, he had a fumble recovery. He had an interception. Um, he had a big knockdown. I mean, I just did not expect the Bombers to be able to replace Winston Rose and Marcus Sales so seamlessly, um, and especially with two guys that never played in the CFL before. So that part of it has been great so far. Well, and, and as far as the veterans go, I mean, Jackson Jeffcoat was such a beast in game number one. I mean, he and Willie were doing their thing. Adam Big Hill has come in looking like he has absolutely not missed a beat. So, I mean, the defense of the leaders have been there. It's been interesting how different things are on the offensive side of the football, though. Ted, we knew this was going to be the case. It's the Zach Calero show. There's no Matt Nichols. There's no Chris Streveler. Uh, but going into this season, there was no Andrew Harris. And there was no Darvin Adams. The more I watch this team, seeing what the offensive line is doing, what Brady Oliver is capable, I will make the argument that I think the return of Darvin Adams will affect the impact of the offense more than Andrew Harris. Just that he is the guy, the one guy that truly stretches the field. And you mentioned Zach Kolaris and liking that deep ball. It, it hasn't totally been there yet. And I think that this offense will look considerably different once Adams is in the lineup. Um, whereas all due respect to Andrew Harris, Brady Oliveira is doing a pretty good job of doing what you need your lead back to do, albeit the rushing numbers weren't quite what they were in week one. Yeah, that's true. I think uh, it depends a bit on what your definition of the deep ball is, because certainly Caleros has found Kenny Lawler a couple of times from, I think, outside of 30 yards for touchdowns. And he also found uh, Rashid Bailey from 25 yards the last game. He, the one thing he did, uh, his one blemish of this season was when he threw that interception in the end zone and Kenny Lawler didn't play that ball very well either. Um, and he did not defend well because he let his man go and run out 25 yards. But, uh, you know, Kalaros just brings that aspect to this team that the Bombers didn't have in the past. I don't mean to make that a slight against Matt Nichols. Matt Nichols is a good quarterback and he did a good job and he managed the game for the Blue Bombers. Zach Kalaros just brings a little bit more. And it just has made this offense more dynamic. And yeah, I think that um, you're right. When you bring Darvin Adams back into that mix, it should be a really good receiver group. Ted, of the tie Cats, this is amazing. The tie Cats, Stamps, and Elks are all 0-2. Yeah. Who, which fan base should be the most worried right now? Because um, I would say... It's pretty shocking that the Ticats are 0-2. The others don't stun me as much as the Ticats being 0-2 and only having scored 14 points in two games. Really not even close against Winnipeg or Saskatchewan, who right now are the cream of the crop in the CFL. I'm going to throw Montreal in there as well as being a pretty darn good-looking team, even though they've only had one game. But, it, it you know, if, if I'm the Calgary fan base, I think I'm the most concerned because things were declining a little bit last season. And things really uh, went badly for them in the playoffs. Bo Levi Mitchell had one of his worst games. Then he's had a couple of bad games here again. Now they're saying he's injured. They might be starting Canadian quarterback Michael O'Connor um, in their next game. Probably will be, conceivably even against the Bombers when they play here on the 29th. And you're 0-2 and going in with a backup quarterback. That's going to be really problematic. Ted, hard not to get ahead of 
oneself when talking about the Labor Day Classic and the Banjo Bowl. But, um, you know, everything is happening so quickly this year. We're one week away from those games. Bombers, of course, have a tough road game in Toronto in a rematch. Tough to beat a team twice. True. The Riders get the Ottawa Red Blacks. They'll be a heavy favorite in that game. Um, man, 3-0 and versus 3-0 and to go into Regina on Labor Day would be pretty sweet. And I would say excellent for the Canadian Football League as well. Yeah, and all the Bombers actually have a Calgary game as well before that one. And Oh, uh, of course, that's you know, right, because that's week five, isn't it? Right. So, I mean, it is, you know, I could see them both being undefeated. I'm not, you don't want to get ahead of yourself. It's just not out of the realm of possibility that they will be. But, you know, you're right. The Bombers do have a tough test coming up here against Toronto, which is a pretty good team. I thought Toronto's defense played very well against the Blue Bombers. Realistically, um, a, a lot of what went wrong for Toronto came from turnovers, especially in the second half. Um, and, I think that Calgary, obviously, if they're going to come into Winnipeg with a backup quarterback, you know, Winnipeg's definitely going to be favored to win that game. So it's conceivable that they're going to be 4-0 going in to the Labor Day Classic in Regina. And obviously the Rough Riders are playing very well also. And it would be really, really interesting to see how that works out, especially in that back-to-back situation with the Banjo Bowl next. I, you know, I was looking forward to some things this year, obviously. I, I was kind of giddy at even being at that first game. Um, against Hamilton. It was just so nice to be back in a football stadium after all those months. But the other one that I'm really looking forward to is the Labor Day Classic in Regina because it's just, it's always something so special, uh, such a celebration of Canadian football and Canadiana, really. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, I could not echo those uh, words enough. And if anyone is listening, that has been thinking about, ah, you know, we should make the trip to Regina at some point for the game. Um, You know, virus is out there and they've got their certain rules, but if you are vaccinated and you feel safe to go and do it, I have a feeling that Ted is on to something like this year, having missed it beforehand, getting the Bomber fans together with the Ryder fans over the course of the weekend leading to the game. It's going to be special and it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Ted Wyman of the Suns with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Ted, let's transition from the local football side to the hockey team. Um, Very eventful week last week for the Winnipeg Jets. And what was interesting is that, you know, you had the Neil Pionk arbitration date on Friday, I believe, of last week. And then another two weeks until Andrew Kopp was, you know, scheduled for his date. Pretty interesting how things sort of fell into place so quickly after the Pionk signing. Your thoughts on the four-year deal to Pionk and then... The next day, Andrew Kopp inking for one year, which will, of course, take him right to unrestricted free agency. My thoughts are uh, it's time for Kevin Sheveldayoff and some of the people with the Jets to take a vacation. (laughs) (laughs) They really had a summer, you know, uh, and and I I thought it was really interesting. I'm sure you saw this. Somebody posted on Twitter. um, It seems that Twitter universally agrees that Kevin Sheveldayoff has had a good summer. So when when that's happening, you know, something has gone right. Um, but honestly, yeah, I just, I'm pretty impressed with what they were able to do in terms of getting those two defensemen and Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon. Like the reason I say that, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound too giddy and gushy about this, but the reason I say that is that what I wrote at the end of the season and talking to Paul Maurice and Kevin Sheveldayoff and even the players was that this was a summer when Kevin Sheveldayoff absolutely had to perform. He had to do something to improve that defense. And he wasn't able to do it last summer. 
and he had his opportunity to do it this summer. You and I, the last time we talked, we talked, would it be through trade or would it be through free agency? And we agreed that it was probably more likely to be through trade, and that's exactly what he did. He went out and took a chance on some contracts that aren't going to look great, probably at least one of them, <laughs> in, in a couple of years. It's possible it won't anyway because it's a pretty high contract to Nate Schmidt. But he's taking that chance to make sure that they have a much better, much more capable defense than they did last year when they were already a pretty good team. And it's a, it's a viewpoint that you can, you know, I haven't actually spoken specifically to Kevin Chevaldeoff about this, but it's a viewpoint that you can tell from where he's standing. He's got Connor Hellebuck, one of the best goalies in the world. He's got a really good forward group that includes prime t- primetime players like Mark Shifley, Nikolai Ehlers, and Kyle Connor. And he's got good defensive forwards in, in Lowry and uh, Cop, and he's got the veteran presence of Blake Wheeler and Paul Stastny. And those are all those things that you're going to put together to say, this is our window, this is the time to go out and win. And so they went and they made the moves they needed to do, and they got the guys that they needed to sign under contract. And it may have been a little unconventional, particularly when it comes to Cop, maybe a little bit lower in terms of term when it comes to Pionk, but these are the things they needed to do to make sure they could do it in the next few years. And, you know, you have to tip your cap to that. Well, you do. And I'm glad you brought the cap to actually be able to do the tip of the cap live on YouTube. It's wonderful, Ted. Um, y- You know, the trades and the acquisitions of Dylan and Schmidt look great the second that they were made. But fast forward three or four days later, when we saw what defensemen were going for on the open market, Ted, and there wasn't that much talent. I mean, there wasn't a Brendan Dillon or a Nate Schmidt available outside of Dougie Hamilton. And we know that he went for 9 million, but I mean, to get Dylan in on a contract that's 3.9 for three years and then see Derek Forbort sign for 3 million for three years. I mean, the value of these deals coming in, not signed this year, signed a couple years back. I mean, to me, put the Jets in a situation where, you know, if you had told me before the Jets were going to add two defensemen and add $10 million to the cap and keep all of the players, I would have said, I, I don't know how that works. And um, and we saw it work at the end, and it all came together. Andrew Kopp sort of ended up as being the guy left out, if you will, as far as the long-term deal. And traditionally, Ted, a team like Winnipeg that has done such a good job of maintaining their assets or trading them for something before they go – it's not the conventional move to have a player essentially get walked right to unrestricted free agency. Right. But at the same time, that's what good teams, that's what contending teams sometimes have to do. Look at the Tampa Bay lightning at the end of the year. And the more you think about cop, sure. They could have traded him and, you know, got a couple of the picks back. He traded for one of those other guys, but that significantly makes the team lesser going into this season. And, you know, I think that they've done and the general managers put together a team together that they're going to put their best foot forward. And if at the end of the season they lose Andrew Kopp, like they lost Mason Appleton this year, they'll have to live with it. Um, but I also think considering what we heard from Kopp after he signed, um, that there is the potential that they may still talk because it does seem like he and a lot of people are excited about what's in that room, the improvements the team has made. And I wouldn't say it's a done deal that he's gone at the end of the season, but I do think that he'll play this year on a one-year deal. And, you know, if nothing gets done after January 1st, they may see him leave. But sometimes that's the cost of doing business. Um, yep. uh, Pionk was the priority, and that sweet spot of a four-year deal sort of worked out for him. And, I mean, I don't know if you could written written this up any better. 
No, I don't think so. I really don't. Uh, I didn't think that the cop team would go for that kind of deal. But when I heard him talking about it, I wasn't as surprised, you know, because it does seem like from his standpoint, he gets the win-win here of a chance to win with the Winnipeg Jets and a chance to become a free agent if that's what he wants in a year's time. And, uh, you know, that's not the best trade-off ever for the Jets, but it's not bad given how it's played out with him. Plus, he signs a contract that fits within an incredibly tight salary cap. You know, I just, uh, I don't know how it could have worked out much better. And uh, obviously, they did, a, you know, they, they did their math with Pionk in terms of uh, how they could afford to fit him in at what cost and at what term. And all those things are taken into consideration to try to put together a team that can win right now. It's no guarantee. Nobody knows what's going to happen when the season starts. I think there's going to be some pressure on Paul Maurice, I'll tell you that much now that he's got this lineup, but it's on paper looks like a team that really should contend to go deep into the playoffs. And I don't know what more you can ask from a general manager, um, uh, you know, in an off season when we weren't saying that at the end of last season. No, there's no doubt. And I'll, I'll relay a story, um, you know, and we all saw Kevin Shevel day off on trade deadline day. Um, you know, go to the meeting and I have never seen him as frustrated and I don't want to say defeated, but it was quite obvious that they'd worked their asses off to get some things done and they didn't happen at the end. And, you know, they ended up acquiring Jordy Ben, uh, you know, two minutes before the deadline. And that was the deal. And it was quite clear um, from Cheval Dayoff's comments that, you know, it didn't go the way they wanted. And there was a real level of frustration. Fast forward to Friday morning. And the Dale Howarchuk announcement downtown. And I had popped by there. I was going to do the Rod Peterson show. And I didn't have a chance to talk to Chevy. I talked to a couple of the other guys and I had to leave. But I looked over and you couldn't have a bigger 180 from how Sheveldayoff looked on trade deadline day to how he looked on Friday. And of course, it was a happy moment for the organization. I think everyone was really pleased. And I think proud of what was happening with Dale Howarchuk. But make no mistake about it. Chevy had a jump in a step and maybe it was because he got all things done, Ted, and he was on the way to the lake, which probably was the case. Um, but I have to say the, uh, you know, it, it was quite clear that he's happy and the excitement around everybody in that group, in addition to the Howard Chuck, but I think a big part of it was what the team had done and how I excited everyone with a stake in the Winnipeg Jets is to get into the season. Let me ask you this, Ted. You mentioned Paul Maurice. I don't think there's any doubt the coach is going to be under some pressure. The expectations are higher this year. They filled in these boxes. This is the roster. Go win some hockey games. As far as the roster goes, is there anyone that'll be under more pressure to perform than Pierre-Luc Dubois when things get going? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's an easy answer. <laughs> I mean, that's really the wild card in all this to me is was his bad season last year. And let's face it, it was a bad season. There's really no other way to put it. Um, was that an anomaly? Was that simply because he was so far behind in getting ready for the season, playing a new system? Um, or has something happened with him that he's just not quite the same player that he was in his first couple of years in Columbus? You know, I think you'd like to think it's the latter and that he's going to be uh, very fresh with a full training camp and full season to get ready for this. And, and he's going to do very well. Um, but we just don't know right now. It, there's, I, I can't look at that and say that I honestly think he's going to be good. I can't look at it and say that I think he's going to be as bad as he was last year. But if he is good, 
I mean, if you look at the top part of that scenario, and he's good, and he's a, a you know one A center for the Winnipeg Jets, <laughs> the sky's the limit. You know that that's what everybody said when the Jets acquired him is that they had this incredible center ice depth, and they had this uh, one-two punch of Shifley and Dubois in their top six. And if that's what you're getting next year, I just don't see any reason why this won't be a top team in the Central Division. Yeah, and, you know, the benefit of having a guy like Paul Stastny in the mix, that if you do need him to move over to center, if you need to do, and they did a lot of that last year. I know that's probably not the way they'd like to go, but you do have that, and and then there's Andrew Kopp, and you know, I mean, maybe this is getting too far down the road, but in a bad in the bad scenario of Dubois, if things don't work out for whatever reason, he becomes a square peg in a round hole. Um, he, of course, is a f- restricted free agent at the end of the season. He's making five million dollars this year, and he'll have arbitration rights. Um, I I would suggest that if things don't go well for Winnipeg this season or for him personally. He still would be a very valuable asset within the National Hockey League. And if all of a sudden, you know, he's no longer in the long-term future for the Jets, well, that does free up some money. And maybe a guy like Andrew Kopp, all of a sudden, there is the opportunity to keep him back. Because, of course, Stastny's near $4 million will come off the books as well. I think th- this will be a, a scenario that will change significantly for a couple players probably over the course of one season to another for the next couple of years within the window of the three or four years with Hellebuck and Shifley and Ehlers and Connor. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that, you know, it, it will be very interesting to see how Dubois plays because it's not just about how the Winnipeg Jets do their future here, but it's about his own future. As you said, he's a restricted free agent at the end of the year. And I think... Many, many people expected certainly out of, uh, you know, probably staying in Columbus as well. But uh, all that changed. And he is not, you know, he, he did not have the kind of season that warrants a huge contract extension with big money and term. And so the Winnipeg Jets will be monitoring that extremely closely all year. And if ever there was a time for a young man to have his best season, this will be it. But you're right. Even if he does the finances for the Winnipeg Jets right now are not exactly in a place where there's going to be a ton of money to, you know, to pay a player like that if he is having a great season. So, you know, that's going to be really interesting. You're right about the Stastny part, but again, this is a point that I keep wanting to get to and I haven't had a chance yet. The one thing that concerns me about the moves that the Jets have made is, is the amount of money that's currently tied up in their defense. I don't think you're going to see that in too many other locations in the NHL where they have that many players on fairly long-term contracts making pretty big money. Um, that is really going to be interesting to see how Larry Simmons, the team cap- capologist and uh, Kevin Chevaldeoff manage that over the next couple of seasons. Well, and it's funny and you know what, and there's a kind of a good segue to where I was going to go with this that sort of ties back to Dubois. But I mean, right now you've got five defensemen that are making 3 million plus. Um, you know, up to six with Morrissey, but basically Pionk and Schmidt and Morrissey all right around six. And then you've got Logan Stanley on what, 900 grand for the next couple of seasons. At some point, at some point, somebody comes in, you know, one of those players potentially moves out and then you've got ELC players like a Hanela or a Sandberg, um, you know, that could be there. And I think the plan is that it won't be to start this season, but when that happens this year, next year, that's part of the mix. 
which is an interesting comparison back to Pierre-Luc Dubois, Ted, because, you know, I think regardless of what happens this season, the Jets are going to have options and we'll have a number of things to consider because, of course, of Cole Perfetti. I mean, Perfetti yeah. will be able to have the opportunity, and let's assume that the plan is that he's going to play in the American Hockey League and do what he did last year and really get himself ready to be an NHL regular. Um, if at the end of this season, it's obvious that Perfetti needs a spot in the lineup, uh, and you know, you're wondering about what happens with Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mean, I could see a scenario where Andrew Kopp gets signed, Perfetti comes into the lineup, and Dubois gets moved for you know potentially not an, a player of equal value, but maybe some other pieces, maybe some picks to keep things going forward. And all that's going to depend on how they feel about Perfetti's performance and where he's at at the end of this season. But I think that playing you know consistently big minutes in the American Hockey League, considering what happened last year, um, it'll be great for the player. And it'll also give the Winnipeg Jets a pretty good idea as to how close this young man will be to come in and making an impact as a rookie in the NHL. Yeah, and he certainly did benefit uh, from the, his situation last year, which obviously wouldn't even have happened if it weren't for the pandemic. His uh, league, the Ontario Hockey League, was the season was canceled, so he was able to play in the American Hockey League uh, as long as the Manitoba Moose were playing. And then he joined. He played for Team Canada at the World Juniors. He played for Team Canada at the World Men's Championship. What experiences those were for a young man and. I don't know how many times you've had a chance to talk to him, Hus, but he seems pretty mature already and very in tune with how important it is for him to be learning things at this level. And, uh, you know, I, I just see good things when I look at that guy. Like, he, he just seems to have a great head on his shoulders, and he's got talent. And I think the Jets can work him in probably slowly as a winger whenever they do decide to bring him up here. But... Who knows? Maybe he also gets in at center ice, depending on what happens, as you said, with Pierre-Luc Dubois. And, um, it, you know, I think I think it's just a, a really nice position to have, to have a player like that coming along who's going to come in and play on an ELC whenever he does come, not cost you a lot of money, really help with the salary cap, and pro- quite possibly be quite productive. No, no doubt. Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun with us. So, uh, Ted, what's up for the rest of the day? You going to jump in the lake next, or uh, well, what's on the itinerary? And when you're up at the uh, the Wyman Summer Estate, <laughs> that's a really good way to put it. Yes, uh, I am going to go and sit on the endless sandbars out here in Loney Beach, and then I'm going to go into the lake and lie down in about two feet of water because that's about how deep it is right now. Uh, but of course, it's uh, the best way to cool off on a great. You know, it's really been an amazing summer for vacationers right you know i i must say it worries me when you see the lake water level as low as it is it worries me that the drought is affecting farmers so much and the wildfires and all that um and i you know you don't want to just celebrate how incredibly beautiful it is when you take those things into consideration but you can't deny that it really has been a wonderful summer for um weather there's not very many bugs there's warm wind all the time i feel like i'm in california (laughs) <laughs> no doubt and you look like you're in california too it's another reason we love having you on the program ted this is <laughs> awesome uh how long are you off when uh when are we going to get back to seeing your content on the on the daily in uh the, in the sun well today's my last day of uh of vacation although i did do the bomber game last friday uh anyways because i do enjoy uh being a part of that and the bombers being off today actually helps so i'll get back to it tomorrow headed to toronto on thursday to cover that game 
Oh, right on, Teddy. Well, we'll look forward to your coverage and uh, the rest of the team's coverage in the Winnipeg Sun heading into TO. And uh, now let me ask you this. Is that your first? Uh, how many plane rides have you taken in the last year and a half? Well, last one was to Edmonton for the bubble last summer. Wow. So you're going to have to re- refresh yourself on how uh, how everything works now. Getting back yeah, on it's the gonna, plane. It's been a while. It really has. It's going to be different. And, it, you know, it's usually a lot more than that because I do travel for the Bombers and for the Jets on occasion. So usually there's a lot of that. It's been a while. Um, it, it's, you know, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure what to think about it yet. I, I hope all goes well. And uh, and it'll be nice to see a different of our a different one of our Canadian cities because it's been a lot of time in uh, in Winnipeg lately. And and I love the best, my favorite part about covering the CFL really is seeing all these other cities, especially at a nice time of year. You think there'll be anybody at that game on Saturday? <laughs> I don't know. I've been asking around. I'm not sure. I, I, you know, their restrictions are different from ours. I talked to a real good friend of mine who's a season ticket holder for the Argos, Ticats, and Bills, and he said no football for him this year whatsoever. Said his wife wouldn't let him. So I guess that's just uh, how it's going. You know, so we will see uh, if it's uh, a small crowd, it won't be all that different than what we've seen before in Toronto. But I really do think it's important to find out what's going on, to take the pulse of how that team and how the league is is um, being perceived in Toronto right now. Because you talked about it before I came on. The attendance is not great uh, here early in the season. There's some reasons for that other than just maybe people not being interested, but you know, the fact that it's pretty low in a lot of these places is concerning. And uh, you know, who knows what it's going to be like in Toronto and Montreal. And I I just, uh, I really hope that it's better than we expect at this point. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm with you. And I mean, we had JD Bunkus on the program who does good show on Sportsnet um, five, uh, the fan five ninety. Um, after, you know, their big win in week number one, and we were talking Blue Jays, and I said, by the way, um, any uh, anyone talking about the Argos this morning on the station? And he's like, no, and it, and it kills me. He's a big CFL guy, but right now the Blue Jays are the story. The Leafs are always the story, and unfortunately, um, you know, the Argos are just sort of off the map of a lot of sports fans there, and that's terrible for the Canadian Football League, and they've got a beautiful park. It should be a great game. Uh, but I'm with you as well, wondering exactly where things are at. And I think attendance is going to be affected, Ted, you know, across the league for this season and maybe even into next season. And uh, you just hope that the organizations are going to be able to get through it all right now. Because as we well know, even pre-pandemic, there was some major trouble spots in the Canadian Football League. And that was why we got into these conversations about the future of the league and the XFL and all that. And um, you know, I have a feeling a lot of that won't really go away, especially if some teams struggle and teams that are usually not part of the issues are finding that they're down 30 and 40% of attendance. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of reasons that go into that. Certainly first and foremost, people's comfortable uh, comfortability with being around other people in the era of the virus and the Delta variant, even if they're vaccinated. Yeah, you know, and I mean, even 27,000 in Saskatchewan still is a pretty good crowd, but it's the lowest they've ever had at Mosaic Stadium, at the new stadium. So you got to read a little something to that. And there's not really any restrictions at all about going to a Rough Riders game. I don't think you can, in Winnipeg, you need a vaccine card. Uh, You don't need that in Saskatchewan. So um, that number is low. 
there's just no question about it. It's uh, it's there's a, there's got to be a reason why not as many people were coming out for that game. And then, as we said, we haven't seen games in Eastern Canada yet. We don't even know what the response is going to be like there. So I just I hope that it's good. I hope that people appreciate um, when you lose something for a while, it's it, it you really miss it and you get it back. It feels pretty good. And I think there's a lot of people who are big supporters and fans of the CFL who are feeling pretty darn good about it being here. But it's going to have to be supported in more ways than just being happy about it for it to survive long term. And I just really hope that, uh, you know, that people see that and re- recognize that it is a very good product and a very exciting game. We've had a couple of preseason games here now to knock the rust off. I know they really counted, but, you know, ho- I hope the quality of football starts getting better here in the in the coming weeks and that people come out and watch it yeah well i'll I'll say one thing about the crowd in regina and and honestly i think that we're lucky um you know for the people that have made the decisions here that have set it up the way it has been set up i mean we had the thirty thousand and nearly twenty three thousand of fully vaccinated fans and i think the vast majority of people at these games have been comfortable enjoying themselves um and feeling good about it i don't think that's the case in a lot of the other markets and you know, just as it pertains to Saskatchewan, I mean, Ted, I mean, they had like a COVID outbreak or, you know, some people testing positive from the pill zone. And of course they put that out after the first game. And, uh, you know, if you're on the fence, knowing that there are really no rules right now, um, and you're going there and you're hearing that people have acquired it from being at the game, that's a, a heck of a way to try to sell tickets for your next matchup. <laughs> it's it's not your best marketing plan. That's for darn sure. So, um, yeah, I, I wish I could uh, really say more about that, Huss. I just, I, I don't know how it's all going to go. You know, you talked about travel. You talked about, um, you know, you talked about the Jets. They're going to be traveling all over the United States. The United States is maybe the most unvaccinated country in the world because only half their people are vaccinated. That leaves another hundred and whatever, 150 million that aren't vaccinated. There becomes concerns with those kind of things. Uh, and, the, and we're just going to all have to think about what we're comfortable with. And, you know, so you make a good point about that situation in Saskatchewan. I, I feel more comfortable about going to a game in Winnipeg when I know everyone in the building is vaccinated. That's not to say that, you know, I'm not enough of a scientist to, to be able to say that nobody's ever going to catch catch uh, the virus at, at a bomber game because there are some breakthroughs and whatnot. But you do feel a lot more safe. And a lot of ways I wish that uh, these other organizations had thought of that or said that as well. But the fact is, when we start going around to Jets games in the U.S., I don't think there's going to be any such thing like that in most of those places. And we saw how full those state, those uh, buildings were last year in the playoffs. So um, it's uh, it's we're not out of the woods on this yet. And it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out in the coming months. Ted, great catching up as always. Thanks so much for doing this. Looking forward to uh, getting you back on the job tomorrow and uh, writing about this game coming up in Toronto on the weekend. And we'll look forward to all your reports from the big smoke. And uh, good luck with that the plane ride for the first time in a year as well. Thanks for doing this, pal. Go jump in the lake. Appreciate it. Will do. And you have a great day too, bud. <laughs> there it is. There he is. Ted Wyman at Ted underscore Wyman. You can read all of his fine work and the pages of the Winnipeg Sun. Uh, We're going to talk a little more CFL, get to some hockey and whatnot with uh, my guy Dustin Nielsen in just a second. Uh, Before that, do you want to thank Paramount Services Limited for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk? 
Uh, Paramount Services Limited is a full facility maintenance company serving commercial HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and handyman services to all your favorite convenience stores and restaurants in Western Canada 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and they've been doing it for just about three decades. If you're looking for a one-stop shop for your kitchen, your cooler surprise, for your business or a property in Western Canada, give them a call and ask for Carrie O'Brien or visit their website at ParamountServicesLTD.com for more information. And if you're in the business, if you have HVAC or plumbing or electrical experience or or a great handyman, um, you might want to think about working at Paramount Services. They're looking for qualified techs here in Winnipeg and throughout Western Canada. If you go to our page, winnipegsports.com, and click on the Paramount logo on the sponsor page, it'll take you right to the career page, or you can go to paramountservicesltd.com and find out more. Uh, they are, of course, members of Plumbers and Pipefitters Local Union 254. Um, we've got a great day with the Not Auto Corp guys on the weekend, and we got picked up by a friend, a customer of Not, and I got my first ride in a Tesla on Friday. Oh my God, what an incredible vehicle. They've always got a few on the lot right now. They've been the Tesla leaders in Winnipeg, but so much more than that. If you're thinking about a new whip, before you do anything, Check out Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGilvery. You can find out more of what they've got online. The Car Lab is just about ready to go. Very exciting new addition to Not Auto Corp. Again, Red Seal technicians in the service department. They'll detail your car as well. And if you've got a vehicle that you're already in, you want to get out of, they'll help you get max value for it through their very successful consignment program. Not Auto Corp, Waverly and McGilvery, or online at not.ca. And, uh, it's definitely patio weather right now, although it's so bloody hot and sticky outside. We may be going inside to the bar at Boston Pizza tonight. Uh, but whether you're on the patio or inside the restaurant or lounge, summer is here. And they've got the new summer menu, including the Burger Italiano, the Honey Dill Fried Chicken Sandwich, and some amazing cocktails to share with friends, including the White Sangria Smash, the Peachy Mojito Royale, the Galaxy Fish Bowl, and the Bulldog Margarita Fish Bowl. Summer's here. At Boston Pizza, bring your appetite. Sunglasses are optional. All right, let's welcome in our good friend Dustin Nielsen, TSN 1260, and one of the voices of the Canadian Football League. And Dusty, we had a rabbit on the field. We had Kermit in the stands. Uh, busy week, uh, busy weekend for you, and a pretty wild weekend of the Canadian Football League, um, but especially if you're in the booth. How are you? I'm doing good, buddy. Thanks for having me. Great commercials there. I've never been in a Tesla. I was a little jealous. Oh, it was unbelievable. We got in this thing and I didn't know it was a Tesla. And, and for a minute, first of all, like the front of the screen had a, I mean, it was basically the size of an iMac monitor. I mean, with the city <laughs> and everything. And it got me looking around and then I know these are electric cars, but uh, let's just say they've got, uh, they've got some big stones because this thing had some, uh, it had some power in it. Um, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful vehicle. I saw that, but, um, but yeah, so you uh, did a little travel. I mean, started off on Thursday with that very weird BC Calgary game and then finished it up in Regina. Um, let's start with the first game. Um, Bowen two, four picks. What? <laughs> What did you leave? What did you leave the stadium thinking about the Calgary Stampeders after Thursday's game? Oh, I just I did, I left the stadium thinking, well, Bull Levi Mitchell can't be that bad. Like he can't be as bad as he was. And now Farhan has obviously tweeted out this morning that Bo's going to miss some time and he's dealing with a few injuries, which I guess kind of makes sense. Uh, it was really weird because we went into that game with 
expecting the story to be Nathan Rourke getting that start. We we heard it was coming all week. Uh, you know, he got the start surprisingly the week before. Uh, so we were kind of getting ready to build a broadcast around that. And then, you know, I was sitting there watching Mike Riley in warm up and he was throwing some pretty deep balls and they were looking pretty good. And I thought, huh. Like, I wonder, I wonder what's happening here with Mike, because he looks all right. And then we get word, Mike Riley's starting. The Holy smoke. So that, that game started with the quarterback story on the other side of the ball. And Riley, you know, he didn't throw any touchdown passes. He scrambled, pushed one through the line, still threw for over 320 yards and moved around pretty good in the pocket as well, creating some opportunities for himself. But, you know, we got uh, two interceptions for Bo. Then he throws his third one and I'm looking at my stats guy and I'm like, how many times has Bo thrown three? Cause I didn't think it had happened very often. And then, you know, a couple of minutes later I hear Bo's thrown three interceptions. I think it was three times. It might've been five. I think it was three times. He goes, he's never thrown four. And then, you know, moments later he throws a fourth one, which was, you know, you're trying to get something going at that point, trying to take some shots maybe, but uh, yeah, that Calgary offense. And I know they lost a lot of guys, but like Herjie Mayala is a pretty good talent and Josh Huff. I, you know, I know they have a lot of faith in him. Uh, you know, Kamar Jordan obviously had a huge week one. So they've got, they've got some guys there, but uh, yeah, Bo Levi Mitchell, he looked a little off and well, maybe, maybe now we know why. Plus that BC Lions defense, since that first half against the Riders, I mean, they've been lights out for six quarters now, and there's a lot of inexperienced guys. I think they were starting three rookies uh, you know, on their front four and then one or two more or two, one more for sure in the, in the linebacking core. So not a lot of experience, but they made plays. It was two interceptions came from guys who were, you know, rookies as well. So that BC Lions defense stepped up. Uh, the finale was another game that you called in Mosaic. First of all, what was it like there in Regina? I mean, we talked a lot about the crowd being the smallest one, still pretty good. I mean, what was the atmosphere in, in Regina? It was a late game. It was a late game. You know, it's one of the last weekends of the summer for a lot of people. Uh, so I, w- I wouldn't read. I know some people are making a big stink out of the crowd, but I mean, let's be honest. You get to Labor Day weekend and it's going to be sold out. They're going to be packed. Uh, and, you know, I, th- I had called one game before in Regina. So this is just my second one and the buzz. And I, I know Winnipeg probably compares a little bit too, but the buzz there was just it, it, like, I go out for, go out for lunch with my buddy who came in from Weyburn and we're at the Boston pizza and then people in there with their riders gear on everybody at the hotel's got the riders gear on. I come back to my, back to the hotel around noon after having lunch. And uh, there's people checking into the hotel. They got a case of pill. They got their other bag with whatever they need for the night at the game. And they're like, literally, it's as close as you can get to a college football atmosphere. Like, I swear that's what it's like in Regina on a game day. The entire city is just buzzing with it. And it's it's great. I love going in there for a game, man. It was and that was that was like a late Saturday game against Hamilton. I can't wait till we get a little bit further on in the season here. Oh, there's nothing like walking through the parking lot of Mosaic Field, Mosaic Stadium, hearing the same Reclaws song being played at different <laughs> points of the song different, as you walk through it at different tailgates and whatnot. Maybe mix a little Queen City kids in there, some trooper. <laughs> That's just it, it really is what it's all about. Canadiana at its finest. Well, it was awesome because it was country night in the stadium. And Dwayne Ford was like, it's country night. What are the odds we're here for country night? And the Riders game. I was just like, well, I guess it's just all country music tonight. Because, I mean, for the most part in Canada, we always had the country music. But we were actually there for country night, which made it even better for me. I'm certainly. a big country music guy, so I was fired up. <laughs> yeah, well, certainly in Regina. I think every night is somewhat country night in and around Mosaic Stadium. That's for sure. <laughs> Um, let's get to the team you follow most closely uh, on the morning show in Edmonton, 
what the hell is going on with the Elks? Uh, we were talking at the start of the show. You know, Remus asked me, well, who's the, you know, what's the most disappointing 0-2 team right now? Well, if you're the fans of the Stamps, Elks, or Ticats, who should be the most worried? And you could maybe make an argument that Stamps fans should be most worried because of Bo Levi's injury and whatnot. But, I mean, to lose those two games at home, the way they lost them, uh, almost inconceivable, the conversation we're having about the Elks right now, considering Ottawa and Montreal both playing their first games of the season after long layoffs going in and getting wins at Commonwealth. Yeah, first time that both the Stamps and Elks have opened up 0-2 since 1966. And they've done it at home, which is just crazy to think. I think the Ticats, it might be the most surprising, but yeah, from a disappointing perspective or panic perspective, Calgary with that injury. As for the Elks, like going into the season, we're like, well, let's see what this defense is made of. Week one, the defense was amazing. Absolutely incredible. Uh, got beat a few times there by Vernon Adams. But Vernon Adams has pretty much all of his weapons back. And I think Montreal is going to be a pretty good team. Special teams have been a concern for the Elks once again. I mean, they gave up the touchdown. They haven't been able to get anything going with uh, with Terry Williams just yet. It's, it's a little bit better than maybe it has been. But look, the story that everybody's talking about is what's going on with this offense. Because coming into the season, I feel... I feel like an idiot now because I said, well, you know, the one thing you know about the Edmonton Elks is that their offense is going to be terrific because if you look at it on paper, it's it's fascinating. And the running back, James Wilder Jr., has been excellent. I mean, as advertised, he had over 160 total yards in week one. He had 85 yards again in week two. So it's not like they can't generate anything on the ground. They're doing a better job running the ball than most teams are. Trevor Harris has, I think, almost 600 yards passing. Um, but his decision-making is being off. And when they get anywhere near the end zone, they panic. They just can't seem to punch that ball in. So, uh, you know, talking about it on my show today and seeing uh, the text inbox from from listeners, people are people are pretty concerned about this offense. The fact that like, Greg Ellingson had one catch for one yard last game. And this isn't Greg Ellingson who's got to figure out his new quarterback. Harrison Ellingson have been together forever. They're the most successful quarterback receiver duo the league seen in the last five or six years, right up there. And you add Jarrell Walker and you got Armonte Edwards and they love Shy Ross who did end up finding that, that touchdown. I mean, there should be no issues punching this ball into the end zone. And so far it's basically the exact opposite, which I don't have an answer to right now. I think this might be the easy cop out which is, I think, what a lot of us football fans do when, you know, the team that you cover is is struggling. But I do think the offensive line needs to be a lot better. Trevor Harris is not a quarterback that is going to, you know, get on the run a lot and make a lot of good plays. Trevor Harris is a guy who likes to sit in that pocket and try to pick a defense apart. And so far through two games, he just hasn't had the time to do that. Dustin Nielsen's with us. Dusty, um, if I'm not mistaken, you're going to be calling the uh, Bomber-Argo game on Saturday. I am. I get the old uh, the rematch game. I'm pretty excited about that. I'm in... I'm in BC on in Vancouver on Thursday for the Elks and Lions, and then flying out to Toronto for that afternoon game. I'm actually I got the next three Bombers games. So I'm a big I'm a big Bombers guy now. I got the game this week, then I'm coming to Winnipeg the following week, and then Bombers Riders on uh, on Labor Day weekend. So I uh, I need to get to know your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Well, they're two and zero. Oh. The defense is looking look good. as advertised, even yeah. with the new guys in the in the DB um, in the DP position who have really stepped up. I mean, they've given up 13 points in two. Games games I and mean, we were joking cfl teams in normal time score 13 points in two minutes so it has been definitely a great start the offense continues to be i mean this the difference was zach caleros playing behind that offensive line 
Uh, and the fact that they've had nice leads, uh, maybe less so in this past game, but man, able to control the football, move it at the end. And, um, you know, you, you ride a defense like that. It was a pretty darn good start. The Argos are an interesting team, though. I didn't think that they had it off. You know, part of the credit will definitely go to the Bomber defense for the way they played on yeah. Friday night. But I do think that McLeod Bethel-Thompson missed some throws. It, it wasn't quite... Um, it cer- they certainly didn't look as good as they did in the second half against Calgary. Um, but that being said, they've had a great start. And the East is so different right now with an 0-2 record for Hamilton. And, you know, the Argos being at 1-1. One and one, And then the two teams that I think a lot of people going in weren't sure about, or they were sure about Ottawa, they're both at 1-0 and o right now. I mean, the, the East has literally been turned upside down from what everyone expected going into the season. Yeah, and I'm not going to be out in the East too too often this year, but I do think it's becoming a lot more intriguing than just Hamilton walking all over everybody. Like we saw Montreal, Toronto so tough because they had such a such a turnover. But when you actually watch that team play now, and we watched, I watched pretty much the entire game on what was that Friday? My weeks are all merged, or my weekends merged, but that was yeah, Friday, right. right? Yeah. So I watched it Friday night with uh, some of the guys from the crew, and we were watching it and. You know, with the way that the Argos have changed, turned things around, and then you've got Montreal, who I, I really liked. I did a bunch of their games in 2019, and you could tell that, you know, they're really building something there with Kahari Jones. But now that Hamilton appears, at least for now, to come back to the rest of the pack, that makes that makes the East extremely interesting. I'm still not too sure. I know people are looking at the Red Blacks. They got that win, and they're 1-0, but... I mean, they won that game with less than 100 yards of offense. So you're going to have to do something, <laughs> but they'll take it. They'll take it. But I don't know if that's that's building it too much. But, you know, just quickly on the on the Bombers front, we were talking about it after the last game. You know, start looking ahead to a couple of weeks and which games we're going to be doing and stuff. And uh, I mean, what would it be like Labor Day Sunday if we got the undefeated riders and the undefeated Bombers here, buddy? Dude, like, are dude. you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I brought that up, the potential of that. And I I'd sort of mixed up the schedule. I thought it was this week and then it was the Labor Day game. But the Bombers, of course, have Calgary at home in week number four before we get there. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's the perfect scenario. Huge for the league. Amazing for the game. The Labor Day Classic coming back. And, you know, usually I've been there a number of times. I mean, anything can happen in those games. But it's never the case that both of the teams are really good. I mean, and I remember, think back to what was it, 10 years ago when the Bombers were 7-1 and one and the Riders were 1-7. and seven. Well, the Riders won and then they won the Banjo Bowl as well. Bombers ended up getting it together and still ended up making it to the Great Cup. But, um, yeah, that would be... Yeah, we'll we'll save that convo for a couple of weeks, but I'm hoping you're on to something. It certainly would be great. Dustin Nielsen's with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Dusty, while we're here, I want to hit a couple of topics with you. Cannot, like we now are basically in fantasy football season. Yes, we are. Touch on that for a moment before, but quickly for the National Hockey League. um, It has been a wild summer here in Winnipeg. I mean, we raised the offseason champions banner two weeks ago, and that was before (laughs) that was before Pionk got signed and Andrew Kopp got done. So people, I mean, I can't remember, you know, almost a universally accepted and positive fan base. Even Twitter is 100% behind Kevin Sheveldayoff right now. So it speaks to it. What, uh, where are Oiler fans right now? Because obviously tuning into your show, there's been some things people have been fired up about. There's been some things people wondering what the heck are they doing? There's a lot of pressure on this organization to make the most of McDavid and Dreisaitl. Um, The nurse deal was huge money. I mean, beyond what I thought, but that's sort of the market. Uh, it, let us take the temperature of the Oilers nation right now as we uh, get into these final weeks of August. 
Well, we've done, we've made that mistake here before and raised that off season banner a couple of times. And you're just like the others, they brought in Lucic and Adam Larson. Like let's, <laughs> it's over. So like we've learned from those mistakes, but that being said, at the beginning of this offseason, I, I was not afraid to go on my show and claim this is the biggest offseason in the history of the Edmonton Oilers because they finally had some cap space, right? They could actually make some significant change. And, you know, they brought back Barry. They brought in CC. They're expecting very big things from Evan Bouchard this year. They brought back Slater Cuckoo. They bring in Duncan Keith who apparently is just in, and he's always been in ridiculous shape, but for a guy his age, I guess he's extremely motivated and in incredible shape right now. So maybe there's a bounce back there from what happened in Chicago. But one of, one of the things that we discussed coming out of that, that sweep that uh, Winnipeg picked up over Edmonton was, you know, they didn't really generate anything in the bottom six. And, you know, you're running out of options on that left side with Connor McDavid and Leon Drysettle. So they kept Nugent Hopkins around. That was priority number one. Priority number two was to go get Zach Hyman. They really wanted Zach Hyman. They got Hyman. They traded Bear for Fogel. They brought in Derek Ryan, who's a right shot center who can win faceoffs, which is something as baffling as it is they didn't have last year. So he's going to come in and, and play that role for them. Uh, and they've actually got three top nine left wingers now, which for the last... I mean, basically, since Patrick Maroon left, they haven't, they've only had one, and that's a center playing over on the left and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So, you know, they've actually finally got some depth up front, which should make this forward group extremely dangerous. Uh, the one thing that people are probably most frustrated about is that they're just coming back with the same two goaltenders again and Smith and Koskinen. And now Smith was sensational last year. I thought he was pretty good in that. He wasn't as good as Hellebuck, but he was pretty good in that series against Winnipeg, probably one or two, maybe in the whole series that he would like back. So uh, the Koskinen one, a lot of people wanted them to move on from Koskinen, but he got one year left on that awful deal deal they gave him three years ago. So you can, you can still go out and get a goalie. And you know, if you got a really good team and you think goaltender is going to hold you back, they can go get that done. So huge off season for them and overall i I'd, I'd give it like a b like let's let's see where it goes there's some pieces i really like but i got to see how this whole package comes together because they made so many significant changes yeah um who's under more pressure tip or ken holland when the puck drops oh buddy you always ask the hardest questions here in winnipeg sports talk uh well i guess ah. Uh, uh, a lot of people here don't like the way Dave Tippett handles his lineup, but I think Tippett's done a pretty good job. So it would probably be like, I want to say Ken Holland, but Ken Holland brought in tip. That's his like, guy. The thing. If, if, things, if, things happens, don't, if things don't go well, who's getting more heat? Is it Tippett or is Holland. it Holland? Because I mean, it'd be Holland. It'd be Holland. He's done everything up until this yeah. point. And now it's time to see what happens. I mean, here, it will be Paul Maurice. I mean, if things don't go well, I think everyone university said, listen, everything they That's needed, true. they got. It's time for the team to go out and win, and the focus will be on the coach. In Edmonton, because of some of the moves that were made and the conversations around it, I kind of think it's the opposite in that, you know, if things don't go well for a month, then they're, you know, you're not, everyone's not going to get fired. But I think the focus will be less on the coach and the minutia of what he's doing in the games and the big picture as to how the general manager built the club. Yeah, you're probably right when I when I think about it that way. 
Because, you know, a lot of, well, in this market, every move is questioned by at least somebody, right? So every move they made, somebody didn't like it. I mean, Devin Shore, 850, Devin, open yeah. the phone lines. The Devin Shore thing was, it was at that moment, I knew we were done in the offseason. I was like, we can't, we're not getting through this. Like, as a, as a community, as a city, we're not surviving when the Devin Shore deal was ruining friendships of 20 years. Is that like, why it you was, went on holidays on the week of free agency? I was, I was not going to be here on the week of free agency. There's no chance. I'll do my stream. <laughs> and pick a couple clips that I want to put up. And that's about it. Like, there's zero chance I was going to be here for free agency. But yeah, so, you know, as much as like last year in that playoff series, people all over Dave Tippett, but you're right. I mean, with the way that it's not like everybody's sitting here and going, Ken Holland, great move, great move, great move, great move, great move. Uh oh, Dave Tippett sure can't coach all these great moves, right? It's, it's like if Duncan Keith isn't playing well, they're not going to put that on Dave Tippett. They're going to put it on Ken Holland for bringing him in here. And if the goaltending, uh, you know, lets them down, or if Mike Smith gets hurt and they have to run to Koskinen, and as soon as he actually has to play a lot of games, his game, you know, goes downhill, uh, then that's going to be on Kenny Holland as well. So, yeah, Holland would, would be the answer to that question. All right, let's get to it. Fantasy football season is upon us. We've got, I've got my first draft this week. First draft. You famously, you by amateur. the way, you famously said for listeners today, I'm catching a bit of my friend's show here, and somebody <laughs> texted in and said, "So, um, how many leagues is too many leagues to be in?" My, my, you know, my wife's giving me a hard time. This guy goes, "Well, oh, five for sure, probably ten. And then the comment was, I mean, you can do five in your sleep. That's nothing to get into around 10. And I could just hear everyone else going, this guy is a maniac. How many mock drafts have you done so far? Oh, buddy. Mock, mock drafts, just straight up mock drafts. I've probably done 150. Like, <laughs> I got apps on my phone. I'll do a mock. I was doing a mock draft while I've been on with you the whole time, man. I'm on round eight right now. Like I, I like, but I'm sometimes I do do a mock draft during my show. I just have the phone up, and you know it'll be it's with other you know real people. I can go on and do one on my phone versus like computer rankings. And the whole draft takes like four minutes, but I like to do them against other like live people, uh, other humans who are obsessed and sick like I am. And uh, so, yeah, I've got, I've already done 20 best ball drafts, which is, those are actual leagues. I just don't have to set my roster every week. It just takes all your best players and your top 16 will count towards your final total. So I've got 20 of those drafts already done and now I don't have to worry about those anymore. Um, So, but it was good prep for like the real drafts I have. So last year I had 20 teams, this year, because I got into one like really heavy duty deep league. Well, can we I'm talk probably, about this? You're you're yeah, now you a professional a professional fantasy football general manager. I, I am. mean, congratulations I am. to you. First one of my associates that's actually <laughs> been given that. It's not like you don't have anything else going on. But this is this <laughs> league that Andy Mack is involved in. Yeah. Is the what is the United United Fantasy UF- League? AFL. That's yeah. how I just say it. The UFAFL. Yeah. Fifty three man roster. The draft's coming up this week. I mean, have you wrapped your head around this? You're, you're, how much did the guys pay for this franchise, first of all? It's impossible to wrap your head around it. Let's just start there. <laughs> I was trying to explain it to like our producer and director on our CFO and CSM broadcast, and they're like, this is amazing, but we don't get it. I said, I know, me neither. Like, I just, <laughs> I'm fired up by it. But yeah, like, it's, we're talking tens of thousands of dollars to get to get a franchise in here and it's kind of crypto based so i don't understand i don't understand the crypto side of it but somebody else had bought a franchise and then dm me on twitter and said hey we and when i first got it i was like 
who's pranking me? Like, what's going on here? And they said, we would like you to be our general manager. So I went back and forth, negotiated a deal. I got one of my buddies on as assistant GM. He's doing a bunch of the draft prep right now. I got another buddy who's helping him. We haven't given him an official title just yet, but uh, yeah, it's they, they call it, you know, professional fantasy sports. They've had a hockey league going for a while. They had a, I think the last three hockey franchises to be sold went for 71, 55 and $60,000 or something like that. So us, <laughs> which is just, it's, I, I, I'm just so fresh and new to it. I, I don't completely like my focus is just, I'm just running the football organization. That's it. I don't have to worry about all the crypto and things like that, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's massive. We got a 53 round draft. that's going to take like three days. It starts this upcoming Saturday. And then after that, there's going to be a rookie draft, which is also like an auction. And so, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. But Chris Carter and Michael Vick have one of the organizations that, uh, the uh, Circa down in, in Vegas has one of the teams. So it's it's ranging. I mean, the, the prices range. If you paid the most for a franchise, you get first pick and all the way down. But it's Dynasty, right? Like, I'll build this team and then we'll have it forever if we want it. But you can move things around. So I'll be wheeling and dealing like crazy, buddy. Oh, uh, I cannot wait. And, and just the fact that you're going to have an O-line rankings list for the upcoming draft gonna have we already got it absolutely yeah (laughs) i I mean what's coming up i mean yeah we've got this is how so so we we're building this spreadsheet and we got the specialties my buddy has gone through and has statted out every o-lineman in the league we've got their salaries their contracts and it's it it's way too much i'm telling you we're taking it too far this but it's we. I mean, who, who would have thought e-gaming would go where e-gaming is, right? I just saw today a FIFA. We were talking about it on my show. Yeah, a FIFA player online just got transferred to a different team for a hundred thousand dollars, which is nuts. Oh, euros, which is like euros, euros. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it's <laughs> exactly like who knows hey, what happens, right? Um, going into drafts right now, let's just talk for people that are not in like you know, hundred thousand dollar 53 man drafts. Let's talk about <laughs> the normal uh 10, 12 team leagues. Um, when you're doing drafts right now, what what sort of stands out to you? I mean, to me, the scarcity of particular positions changes year over year. It still seems like you know, you need to get a solid running back, and we'll see running backs go off the board. Fascinating to see though where tight ends right now are on overall draft boards, and it speaks directly to scarcity. Hundred percent, and that's why I mean, for years people would have thought you were crazy to go out and take Travis Kelsey in the first round because it's a tight end; you can't take a tight end in the first round. But Travis Kelsey just outperforms pretty much ninety-four percent of the rest of that position so drastically that you have a position advantage, which allows you to to go out and you know properly build at those other positions as well, knowing that you're going to have a tight end that every single week is scoring more. So you're seeing Travis Kelsey right now go anywhere from, I mean, I've seen him as high as about seventh in like, let's just say redraft 12 team PPR league. You'll see him go as high as seventh. I'm not going to see him slide anywhere past probably 14, 13. Um, One of the, I mean, the storyline for me right now is, you know, you you look at the running backs and you know, the first five picks for sure are running backs. You probably get down to the point where you're looking at like Zeke Elliott at fifth overall. And I'm, I like Zeke for a bounce back. Then after him, you got Saquon, you got Aaron Jones, you got Jonathan Taylor, who was going as high as four or five, probably about a month ago. He slid down a little bit because of some of the injuries, but uh, you know, you can try to approach a no RB strategy 
and you'll get some really good value on some wide receivers and guys early in a draft. But the the running backs fall off so heavily later that you've got to either hit on one later or be willing to go out and trade for one at probably a pretty decent price. Some guy who breaks out mid-season if you feel like you're strong everywhere else. So the wide receiver position is the deepest. Like you're, I'm I'm drafting I'm drafting wide receivers in like the seventh and eighth round still that I really like that I think have some really good potential this year. So my strategy will likely be depending on where, and I've mocked out of every position, like at least a dozen times. It's, it's sad, but my strategy will probably be to try to land one of those top end running backs. If I had, you know, I'm in some drafts where you'll draw, you'll draw a card and then then you get to pick where you pick from that card. So if you draw the two, you get to just for strategy wise, which is really cool. So, you know, this year, I think, I mean, I always like controlling, even in our drafts, we do in our show and your your stuff, you know, like I like that swing position. If you, if you, I mean, if you're in a 12 team yeah. draft and you get, and you can pick where you go, where do you want? Like what's I the, think I, I, well, I, I like the top five running backs. So I'd probably take five and go with Zeke. Cause he's going to be there because you're looking at Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin cook, Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry, most leagues. Those are going to be your top four. I like Zeke a lot. So I'd probably go in that five range, take him after that. That's when things start to open up where you, somebody might take Devonte Adams. You might take Saquon and hope that he can stay healthy this year. Then you can get Kelsey. And then when you're coming back around at that Zeke Elliott spot in the second round, so you'd be picking what seventh or eighth in that second round, you still have a chance to get a guy like Antonio Gibson. Najee Harris might still be there. Some of those second tier running backs could still be, even a Joe Mixon might slide to you at that point. So I would try to hit those two running backs out of that five spot. And then after that, just go wide receiver. Probably even at, at that point, depending on if tight end's still there in the third round, you could go RB, RB, tight end, and then just hammer wide receivers after that because there's so many good wide receivers in rounds four, five, six, and seven. Hey, last one, just on the tight ends. We talked about Kelsey. George Kittle will be up there. Darren Waller from the Raiders. It was sort of a three-man show last year. Um, is that it? And what about Pitts? Uh, where's Pitts going? He, of course, went fourth overall, playing on Atlanta. People expect him to eventually get there, but if you're in a single-season league, I mean, is he the fourth tight end off the board, or are there other guys that make more sense? No, he. I I like him. I like him a lot. I mean, he's a freak, right? He's he's a tight end body, but he moves like a wide receiver. So I know in a lot of leagues, people are going to be really excited about him. He's going to be their guy. Like Kyle Pitts is my guy. We're going to take him in the in the fifth round. I think he's going somewhere in late fifth round, sixth round right now in most leagues. I could be wrong on that, but it's the top three. It's still the top three, even though there's some doubting in Kittle right now, just because of his ability to stay healthy. Um, but those are still your top three. I still like Mark Andrews in the four spot. Um, if you look at you know who he's going to be competing with for targets, uh, Marquise Brown has been a little bit banged up. He's got Sammy Watkins. There's really not a lot there. So, uh, you know, I still like Mark Andrews just for that. It would have to be a little bit of a bounce back season. Last year wasn't great for him, but I like him. A lot of people love TJ Hawkinson. Same sort of thing with my you know, horrible Detroit Lions, but they don't really have anybody else to throw the ball to. So Hawkinson could end up being a monster. I put Pitts right in that area with Andrews and Hawkinson kind of in tier two of tight ends. But if Pitts hits, I mean, if you're in a keeper league, that's a guy you definitely want to try to get your hands on. In a one-off league this year, I'd probably wait until late fifth, early sixth to get him. Uh, this has been a hell of a lot of fun. People in the chat are fired up. You're going to be doing the next few bomber games. We'll look forward on TSN on Saturday afternoon, three o'clock here in Winnipeg on the way out. Many people asking about the Flutie Flakes. Did you actually eat the Flutie Flakes, or are they still in the box? Buddy, this is still full. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my buddy uh, my buddy knows I'm a huge Flutie fan. So uh, 
Yeah, he got me these. And then that ball there is that's signed by Flutie as well. So, uh, yeah, and I don't know if this is uh did they come with the signature on there or is that real? I, I can't have, remember, but I've had them forever. Ah, oh, beautiful. Yeah. It it it's a hell of an addition to the uh to the the backdrop, that's for sure. Um Looking forward to uh, Lock Shop, and I guess we'll let everyone know, if you don't, I should have mentioned this before. Of course, Dusty and I do the Lock Shop every week, sort of a fun sports betting podcast where we do a lot of what we've just done, make some picks, get together with Chris Abbott and uh, you know do a little parlay, which we get boosted up on CoolBet. So if you aren't already, make sure you go to your favorite podcast feed, search Lock Shop, get in on that. We'll be doing them on Wednesdays throughout the month of August, and then back to two shows a week, one on NFL going into the weekend and another one earlier in the week on all things other than NFL. Um, so yeah, having a lot of fun with that and uh, we'll welcome everyone in and should be an interesting one. Now that we've got a couple weeks of CFL action to that we've seen to realize how wrong we were going into the season, <laughs> hopefully get some better picks come and come on Wednesday. Hey buddy, those totals are coming down. Those totals are coming down. What we see uh cool bet had the lions and the Elks at like 41 and a half. It's, which is unheard of in the Canadian Football League. Oh, I know. We're going to get to that coming up for Cool Bet in a minute. Dusty, thanks as always, man. Uh, we'll uh, talk to you on Wednesday for Lock Shop. And uh, everyone here will be watching you on TSN, hopefully calling the Bombers going to 3-0 and on Saturday. Thanks a lot, buddy. Right on. There he is. At Nielsen TSN 1260. If you're not following him already, Dusty also uh, broadcasts all the Lock Shop shows on his Twitter feed. Uh, so make sure you're giving him a follow as well. And you can follow the Lock Shop at Lock Shop Bets on Twitter as well um real fun conversation could have gone another hour with dusty but uh, we'll save some of it for wednesday on the lock shop as well um coming up in a minute we will get to those cfl lines we don't have to wait all week for them like we have the last couple they are here as you mentioned the totals are way down i'll talk about those with michael remus in just a second but before we do that do you want to thank our friends at little brown jug for their support of winnipeg sports talk if you haven't tried the incredible local beers from Little Brown Jug Brewing. What are you waiting for? Um, you can go to littlebrownjug.ca, try their flagship brand, the 1919, as well as the summer variety pack, including the uh, summer lager, which is phenomenal, the new Hefeweizen, and they'll deliver it to your house. Same-day delivery if you order by 4 p.m. It's never been easier to get the great taste of Little Brown Jug right to your door at littlebrownjug.ca. And uh, right now, it's uh, it's patio season, that's for sure. Great patio at the at Little Brown, Ju- Little Brown Jug Brewing over on William Avenue. Uh, they make all the beer there. You can pick it up there, get some great merchandise, and sit on the patio with some friends. Often they'll have live entertainment. You can check their events page on the website as well. Uh, pop down Little Brown Jug on William as well, or online at littlebrownjug.ca. Live racing is back tonight at Assiniboia Downs. And tomorrow and Wednesday as well. The uh, summer of live racing continues Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at Assiniboia Downs. But the track is open seven days a week. VLT is open from 9 a.m. until 12.15, as is the Terrace Dining Room. Uh, but if you're looking to uh, go out with the family or some friends, you'll just need to be have proof of vaccination like you do for Bombers or Gold Eyes games. 50% capacity in the lower level as well as, uh, well as outside. They'll go to the post tonight at 7.30 p.m. You can also wager with us if you're not able to get to the track at hpibet.com. And don't forget to check out the guys on YouTube, 6.45. It's a Cinevoia ASD Live with uh, Kirk and Stretch giving their picks for the evening's festivities. 
We'll check that out tonight and watch the races as well if we're not able to get out to the track on the YouTube page. Again, Assiniboia Downs, asdowns.com for all the information. And don't forget, if you're hitting the Terrace Dining Room, call ahead and make a reservation. Um, Big shout out to our friends at Breezy Bend, our golf partner here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Great weekend on the PGA Tour. My guy, the Kiz, Kevin Kisner, coming back and winning the Wyndham Championship in an incredible six-man playoff. Um, Big credit to Roger Sloan, the Canadian, who uh, moved up into the top 200 in the world rankings with his second-place finish. Had a putt on the first hole that didn't go in. We thought that was the loss. Adam Scott, epic choke job, missing a four-footer. All six players go back, and then it was Kiz putting it to about three feet, dropping the putt in and winning. I'm hoping that means Kiz is part of the Ryder Cup team, Uh, but the playoffs begin. You had to get into the top 125. They'll head on to the opening round of the FedEx Cup playoffs going forward, and then, of course, the Ryder Cup at the end of September at Whistling Straits. If you are thinking about a great golfing home for you and your family next year, why don't you consider Breezy Bend? The waiting list is on right now. You can talk to Corey Johnson about making that your home. Great junior program, women's programs, and so much more. Uh, and some great additions to the golf course this year. Getting that new six hole sorted out right now. Going to be beautiful for next season. BreezyBend.ca, or you can give them a call at Breezy Bend Country Club. We'll get to the cool bet lines in a minute. Let's get Michael Remus back in here. Um, Reem, great stuff with Ted and with Dusty. Uh, I, you must have been laughing when I asked Dusty about how many fantasy leagues is too many to go in. I mean, when he said sort of 10 or so is, you know, that's probably a good place to start. I I almost spit out the Diet Pepsi. I'm like, he, he I, I know a lot of people that are really into fantasy. He has got multiple jobs, two kids, all that, and yet is still the most addicted fantasy player I've ever met in my life. Yeah, I was happy to see he's into the best ball. And, and I know you know you can go in a lot of best ball leagues, but uh, it's really coming on. You basically just draft a team. And if you like drafting best balls for you, and you don't have to set any lineups. Um, it does it all for you. And I think you can do it pretty much as many of those as you want. But in terms of you know active head-to-head fantasy leagues, for me, the answer would be, I think I'm in four baseball leagues. I think more than four is pushing it. I think two or three. I mean, I think you can match, you know, mix and match with different, different formats, but I mean, in your traditional head to head NFL fantasy league. Yeah. I think, I think four, but if you're saying like 10, like that's a, that's out of control. Yeah. But if you're just where he's starting, I think he was in 25 last year. Like if that's including best ball, I know that's not including best ball. Best balls don't even count to him. Okay. That's like doing a mock draft before the season starts. And I would agree with that. If you're, it's like active managing. Yeah. That's insane. I think that's, that's a lot. (laughs) Frosty Dusty's got a pickleball fantasy league. I'll be honest. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised. Mal Paris, 13 leagues each year. That is heavy. That is heavy. Uh, Jeff Kabilis, how do you keep track of 10 fantasy leagues, fantasy leagues at start? I've always been in four or five, mm-hmm. like long-term ones. And then, you know, doing what I'm doing, I got roped into a couple other ones. The thing that is making me the most on tilt right now is that of the seven leagues I'm in, it's six different platforms. Yeah, like there's that's... A Yahoo, there's a CBS, there's an ESPN, there's a real-time digital sports, there's a sleeper league. There, I mean, that would be so much easier if they were all just in the same one. But again, different commissioners, different sites. 
we will do some more fantasy football talk over the course of the next couple of weeks. We'll get some experts on to help you all heading into your draft before uh, the big day coming up. And uh, obviously we'll be spending quite a bit of time at some point during the program throughout the NFL season, getting some hopefully great fantasy advice for all of you mm. to go and win, win your leagues. Um, let's get to the cool bet lines for today. As uh, we were talking with Dusty, uh, the lines are out for week three in the Canadian Football League. And the first thing that will really catch your eye is how low the totals are. For Canadian football, I can never remember ever having numbers like this. BC and Edmonton's total, 42 for next week. Alouettes and Calgary is 46. Bombers and Argonauts, 41 and a half. And Ottawa and Saskatchewan, 45 and a half. Uh, it's been all under so far. So not surprisingly, those numbers are going down big time. As far as the spreads for the upcoming games this week, Thursday night, game Dusty will be calling in BC. Edmonton Elks at BC Lions. The BC Lions are four-point favorites over Edmonton. Montreal with their big win, first of the season in week two. They travel to Calgary to take on the Stampeders. And this is interesting. We're hearing that Bo Levi Mitchell is going to probably be missing some time, and yet the Alouettes are still two-point underdogs. Uh, even money on the money line right now for Montreal, if you're confident. Although a lot of people have been so burned by these quarterbacks allegedly not playing. Uh, maybe that line will stay there for a few days as we get forward. As far as the Bombers and Argos go, Winnipeg are five-point favorites over the Toronto Argonauts. And as we mentioned, a very low total of 41 and a half and the finale in Saskatchewan, Ottawa at the Rough Riders and Ottawa, a huge 11 point underdog to Saskatchewan. Um, Remo, despite the fact that Ottawa goes into this and it is a battle of undefeated teams at one and oh, um, the fact that they were somehow able to win with 77 passing yards or whatever it was and about 100 yards of offense, uh, certainly not helping them when it comes to the uh, the betting line for this weekend's game. And I, I can't be can't say that I'm very surprised. No, that's uh, not really repeatable. Us uh, winning <laughs> with 70 yards of offense. And, you know, we talked about how uh, Mike Riley couldn't really throw uh, Matt Nichols didn't look that great either. So no. we'll have to see um, what happens with them. They've had a week off. Maybe they can rejig some of their offense, but that's a big underdog. I'm shocked that Montreal, after looking so good, is is an underdog. Like, I might have to go bet on this right now. Like, how uh, do you believe? I was, what I was think? thinking the same thing. Like, I mean, if we find out for sure that Bo Levi isn't going and you've got a Canadian rookie yeah. making his first start against a team that just looked very good, I mean, to me, I think that number even, changes pretty significantly. I'm going to bet it right now. Even if he's, I'll take, I'll take the Al's straight up. How do you not? How do you take the Stampeders at all here? Even if Bo's even playing, money. Each, even money right now on the money line. I'm in. I'm, I'm taking it. I'll, there you are. I'll, and I'll you, log in. I and just yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> while we're at it. Oh wait, um, I got my email on the screen. Oh shit. Yeah, you might want to want to do that. Let me get um, on that. <laughs> That's my personal email. You can do that at the end of the program if you need be. Uh, if you do go down, though, we do have updated Grey Cup odds. And not surprisingly, the Bombers are now the favorite, along with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, both plus 375. Hamilton has dropped down to plus 475. The Alouettes with a big jump after their win. They're at plus 650. Argos plus 750. BC plus 850. And, oh, man, it's been a while since we've seen Calgary and Edmonton at the bottom of this list. Calgary 10-1, to 1, Edmonton plus 1250. 
uh, just slightly above the Ottawa Red Blacks at 13 to 1. So all those numbers are there at Cool Bet Canada. If you've never bet at Cool Bet before, but you'd like to, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus up to $200 on your first deposit at coolbet.com. That's promo code WST. No baseball, uh, no Jays tonight. Um, do have a pretty good slate of games. Jays back at it tomorrow after salvaging their series against the Mariners yesterday with uh, a number of bombs at the uh, home of the Mariners. Um, we are going to get to our picks before the end of the program. Um, but Remo, uh, a couple funny things that we saw on the weekend. Well, first of all, let's talk about the NHL news and notes. Um, the Jets already, I mean, you thought that everything was done. Well, not completely done. Um, one of their picks in the draft, Kuzman signs in ELC. It was pretty much the only bit of Jets news coming over the weekend. But today, a couple signings in the league. Kevin Fiala and the Minnesota Wild avoid arbitration on a one-year deal just north of $5 million. And UC Soros gets $5 million a year on a four-year deal with the Nashville Predators. What did you think of the uh, news and notes from the NHL today? Yeah, I, I thought Fiala was a smart signing for um, for Minnesota. I think that there was some discrepancy between the ask and, um, you know, from each side. And they kind of just split the difference for a year. So I, I don't know what Minnesota's doing, Huss. I don't, I don't think they needed to buy out both of those guys. You're going to have all this dead cap space going forward and I think a lot of it depends on on Kaprizov so I mean Fiala they're gonna be doing this again next year so I don't I don't know if it really helps them but I guess they couldn't agree and I'll have a full year so he's been a bit of top six for them uh, I had him in fantasy he's you know solid player and by all accounts UC Soros he's uh he's pretty solid I saw Mike Kelly had some tweets so that seems like a good signing for them but Minnesota I don't. I don't think they needed to buy out Parise or and Suter. Sorry, and Suter. I think the Parise buyout made sense. He was a healthy scratch. The Suter one. I mean, there were got people lining up to sign this guy, Huss, and now they're just gonna have dead cap space. Like, let me pull pull it up. Twelve million next year, fourteen the following two seasons. That's insane. It's 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 stunning. Yeah, I don't think that's smart. So, I mean, we'll have to see how it works out for them. I mean, they signed. Kulikov and Golgoski with the savings, um, but and they got to sign Kaprizov. That's that's important. And do they? Does someone trade for Jack Eichel? Who's gonna like? What's going on here with the Eichel thing? We got teams lining up, and Frank seemed dead said that Kuznetsov was getting traded, but he's still kicking around Washington. But I thought maybe some team would would be on the Eichel trade. Well, Vegas was clearing space for an Eichel quiet but, right now. Yeah. I still could see Vegas taking a swing, but the thing with the Eichel deal right now is there's so much uncertainty as to what's going on with his back and this operation that's co- that's complicating everything. And the thing is, I mean, if you're a contending team, you make the deal right now and then he goes and has surgery and is out for four or five months. I mean, is that a good time to make a trade for him right now? Maybe you wait for him to have the surgery and, you know, acquire him after the fact. I don't know. That It's one of the most fascinating stories of the offseason in the National Hockey League and Certainly something maybe we'll try for an update a little bit later on this week. Um, all right, we've got a couple other fun things to talk about, but we'll do that afterwards. Let's get to our picks for Assiniboia Downs tonight, Reem. Uh, I'm hoping for a great start to the festivities this evening. I've got mine ready. I will go first. Um, we're going to race number one tonight. And looking at the program, 
not a lot of work for most of these horses. So it's sort of wild out there. I'm going to go with the uh, 5-4 Quinella, mean money, and don't blame Coco in race number one. Uh, going to race number two, we're going to do another uh, two-horse Quinella. They can go first or second, second first. We're going to go with, uh, was that tough enough to start? And Wits 10-10. So three and five for the uh, the Quinella in race number two. Uh, we're going to go with the Triactor in race number three. We're going to put the Triactor wheel, $6 bet. They can come in any order. We're going to go with Mr. Dazzle, number one. St. Louis Guy, number four. And Plentiful, number five. So we'll throw those one on it. And then the final, final selection we're just going to bet horse number three, Mandrew, yeah. to win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I win in race number four. Had to do that. That's a straight, that is a straight uh, name bet, but uh, did get a win in April at the track instead of middling results, but we're going to put a little sprinkle on Mandrew in race number four. What, what do you have for us today, Reem? 20 bucks on Mandrew. Let's go. <laughs> no, I'm only doing a five on Mandrew. I'm doing four or $5 bets. I, Mandrew is one of them. You think like HPI Bet can give us boosted odds on Mandrew? Like how uh, Coolbet does be boosted nice. odds? They they should hook us up. Um, let me check my bets. They're all done. I'm trying to keep it simple here. I haven't won, so keeping it simple. Race. Th- so I got Mandrew there for five. These are all five dollar bets. I got Horse Two, Courageous, to win on race three. On race five, I have truly and terrific with a name like that. It's a definite winner. Oh yeah, that, that is a that. Come on, with a name truly and terrific, of course I'm taking that horse. And the final one, race two. I know I'm bouncing all over the place. Race two, I like Hada to show. I like Hada to show in race two. So there all you right. go. Well, those are my we'll picks. We'll let you know how we do tomorrow. We'll get it done again every day of live racing. We do a little head-to-head between uh, Remus and myself here for our, our season-long duel at the Derby, which is still being won by Michael Remus. But maybe I could, I need maybe to go for some just big-time long shots and hit one to get right back into it. Um, some random notes on the program beforehand. Remo, where does Matthew Joseph's delicious poutine dinner served in the Stanley Cup rank with the best uses of the Stanley Cup on your day off. I was quite impressed. That looked like a hell of a poutine. Here, I'll pull it out here. Shout out to the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning for pulling this thing up. One sec. Let me, uh, I got it right here. One sec. They tweeted this out, Matthew Joseph. Um, I like the idea. I think the idea of it is very fun. A lot of gravy there. That gravy is just, it looks like cereal with like cheese curds. <laughs> it looks kind of disgusting. So he's going in, he's delivering it. So I, I I think it's good. It's, it's well done. You got to do something cool. So eight out of 10, would I eat it? Probably. Does it look totally gross? Yes. See, what? I don't know if it looks totally gross, but I will say this. You know, this is sort of for the photo ops, but I mean, there's so much in there. Once he got it done, then he can serve it to all of his friends in other dishes. And you can say you had poutine out of the Stanley Cup. Very yeah, good I, thing. If I was French, I would be doing something like that. It would be like serving a pierogi dinner or something here in, mm-hmm. in, in Manitoba. 
Yeah, sure there was a lot of beer in it too. Trust me. I, I like Kessel's uh, hot dogs out of the thing. That would be pretty sweet. I don't know what I would put. My wife made. Um, she likes to do as a snack popcorn with some jujubes thrown in. So I know Brodeur. I think Brodeur took her to a movie theater and had popcorn in it. So I would do something like that. Funny, funny concession uh, hack that somebody showed me at the bomber game mm-hmm. was putting M and M's in popcorn. Like you get a thing of popcorn yeah. and then just drill them throughout, and you never knew. It's my wa- pretty good. My Talking wife, popcorn. My, my wife's in, in for that. You mix the salty of the popcorn with the sweet of a chocolate or a juju. So I think that is, I think that is always a good play. But there's a lot going on. I mean, that watching the gravy get tossed in there. That's a lot of gravy, man, and a lot of cheese curds. I'm not like a cheese curd guy. I know it's like part of the poutine, but ba ba yeah. hus. You see the refs saying a re- uh, a ref helped Casey lose the Super Bowl. Well, to be honest, I-, I have not seen that. I'm sure I'll check it out. But when you get your ass kicked on the offensive and defensive line the way my Chiefs did in the game, you're not going to win. So I won't spend I won't spend too much time worrying about that. Now, if this has anything to do with New England Patriots, however, I'll talk about it every single day for the next month. <laughs> Just kidding about that. Uh, peanuts in Coke is very good. Uh, the peanuts in... Have you ever had that, Remus? Peanuts in a soft drink? Never. Uh, why? It is a... I can't remember what this is called. Someone explained this to me before. And maybe someone in chat can educate us. It is something that I think guys used to do when they were working, you know, like laborers. They would have a bottle of Coke and they would put the peanuts in and then they drink it and essentially eat the peanuts as well out of it. Um, it is a, I, I don't, there, something that happens when the peanuts go into the Coke as well. So um, anyways, it's a very popular thing. If anyone has, try, has tried that already, you let us know. You let us know. You no, I never, I've never. Salty in Coke, it will foam over. Hmm, interesting. I don't know if that's the play, putting stuff in Coke. Coke seems good. As it is, so if you, I'll, if I'll you stick Google with it, it though, if you Google peanuts and Coke, there'll be a lot of stuff there. I, I guarantee you on that. Anyways, feel free to try it, folks. You can let us know if you uh, if you enjoy it. And T. Well, yes, popcorn is the universal acceptor. Now, Remus, I want to ask you something that maybe you mm-hmm. can. Oh, by the way, World Women's Worlds Hockey is getting going on Friday. We should do something on that before the program. I assume it'll end up being Canada versus the USA. But the bottom line is, is just great that these women have the opportunity to play after having uh, their world shut down in April. And many people thought that they just wouldn't happen. So credit to everyone making it happen coming up in Calgary. We'll get to that. But Remo, I know you're on top of this. EA Sports has finally announced details about NHL 22. What do you know? Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. They haven't announced anything. We're in the dark. You know, it's mid-August. Usually the game comes out September. It came out October last year because of uh, the pandemic. So we don't know anything. So on Thursday at 10 Central, uh, they will be having a trailer. I'm hoping we get the cover athlete. And it's in a bit of a weird transition. They're kind of mid-generations of consoles. You got the PS4 to the PS5 and the Xbox. I don't even know what their names are. The one to the series. Xbox naming has confused me this time around. So I'm curious what it's going to be and how they're going to integrate all the consoles. Um, you know, crossplay is the new thing. You know, you can play Xbox. I don't think it's going to have that. I'm really not expecting a lot, but I think we'll get a cover athlete and new rosters. I'm excited to see what the Jets' ratings are, but I'm curious. But I'm not expecting. I'm not expecting a ton, just based on how these sports games are. I know Madden actually just came out too, or is like on a preview. But 
Well, we'll see. I'm I'm curious. I'm I'm going to be buying it, but well, uh, I'll tell you what. I can't wait to uh, you know the first look we'll have at the new look Jets will probably be on the video game before they actually play yes. a real game. So we'll see. We'll be able to tell you how the Jets are after uh, after we say how I, they are in the game. I, that will be that's a perfect example. I mean, obviously, whatever happens in the game will 100 percent happen in real life. Yeah, I think we're we're choosing uh, you know the cover athlete. I saw some rumors of Pasternak. I think Nathan McKinnon. Uh, would be uh he hasn't been on it yet, so I think you always like to see who the cover athlete is going to be. Although like, you don't really buy physical discs anymore, so like when do you see the cover? But I guess you do need that that cover athlete for marketing, uh, marketing purposes. So someone says Chevy on the cover. Ella Buck, yeah, Chevy. <laughs> we should make it. We should we should do a Photoshop of it or someone if you yeah. want to do that for us. Let us know. We'll uh. We can announce the new cover athlete for NHL 22, and it'll be Kevin Sheveldayoff. I'm definitely, definitely in on that. Nice. Great idea, Frosty. Great idea. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we'll see. I want to see if they did Andrew Kopp, his rating better go up. He's been jobbed the last couple of years. It's uh, true. Really hard. No respect. So. But no, I, hey, he had a career year, had some great yeah. points last year. He definitely should be going he, he up. He should be going up, and uh, we will see. Uh, the Jets' defense has been tough to play with, and I think it'll be a lot better this season so i expect them to be a top team actually so i'll have to give him uh, give him a spin you got it all right everyone listen it's been a great show we got to thank ted wyman and dustin nielsen for joining us today as well as all of you being with us here in the chat for those of you on youtube and everyone catching the program a little later on as always mentioned uh the store is open i had some people asking us about the koozies you can get the koozies at the store as well as well this t-shirt for one uh as well as the hoodies and much more so go check out the store. In the meantime, uh, though, tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk, how they can find us daily, 1 o'clock on YouTube or at their convenience in the podcast feed in the afternoon for their drive home. And uh, working on some pretty exciting stuff coming up for the fall as well for Winnipeg Sports Talk, which we'll tell you about coming up in the days to come. Uh, but right now, big thanks again to Canadian Club, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Paramount Services Limited, not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Great to see Aikens Lake open again after all the fires gave him those problems over the last couple of weeks. And, of course, Cool Bet Canada. Um, if you're out at the track tonight, might see you there. Should be a great night. little steamy, though, uh, and we'll be back at it tomorrow. Gold Eyes coming back home tomorrow, beginning a new homestand. So we'll get out to the ballpark as well. And, of course, more on the Bombers as they prepare for the rematch against the Toronto Argonauts coming up on Saturday afternoon. And our pal Dustin Nielsen, who just joined us, will, of course, call that game on TSN. Uh, folks, we'll see you tomorrow at 1 o'clock. We've got more great guests coming up for the rest of the week. We'll look forward to doing it all over again with you tomorrow, 1 o'clock on YouTube, after the afternoon, in your podcast feed here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night. Stay cool. And we'll see you tomorrow on WST. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.